0: Hi, and uh, welcome back to season two of the Montana PowerPod. Uh, Dan, you want to intro the show?
1: Yeah, thanks, Ryan. Uh, well, we're doing a little uh, day before the election uh, results um, podcast, and we have um, two different guests on today. Uh, Ahmed, who's from, uh, was he from Bangladesh originally?
0: He's from Bangladesh. I should know the city, but I think it's, mm-hmm. I think it's from Dhaka,
1: actually and then Ryan's brother, Sean, who's from Canada. And, uh, and yeah, it's interesting getting a little, uh, hearing their international perspective on some of these things, but, um, this is really just, uh, quite the crazy time, um, you know, amidst the pandemic, um, you know, the biggest, uh, civil uprising, I think in U S history with this, uh, um, protest for, for racial justice and, um, people cannot be more divided politically right now. So it's just a, quite quite the day coming into this coming into the election results tomorrow. Um,
0: yeah. So Dan, what do you think is going to happen?
1: Well, you know, I guess, uh, yeah, first of all, um, I think we, uh, uh I think most people are really loyal to what they, not to a, a political party, but what's what they'd like to see in the world and out of our politics. And I, I think we all already lost a long time ago. Um, When we got left with these two candidates, I think the fight for healthcare for everyone in these next four years um, or to really take on the fossil fuel industry to stop climate change. Um, We lost on both of those Um, losing on immigration. Um, I I don't think we're left with any good choices here. So I, I, I think, you know, the, the um, monarchy of the two parties have already taken this election away, but um, I think uh, it looks like it's going to be a uh, Biden victory tomorrow uh, based off of polling, um, the uh, the coronavirus pandemic uh, disaster, the way it's been held in the U.S. Um, people are upset about that. And overall, I think it'll be a Biden victory. But I'm just very curious about um, Trump's reaction and the GOP's reaction to that victory. And, you know, he said Trump has said multiple times that he doesn't know if he's going to concede concede the election or they're not gonna he's gonna fight it off in court to not count ballots that were mailed in um at the correct time but didn't make it in to uh, by election day so i think i really don't think we're gonna have a clear answer who won this this week even maybe i think it was gonna be a lot of controversy but overall i'm expecting uh, uh joe biden to win but what are your thoughts around
0: yeah I'm, I'm thinking the same thing too and uh yeah, I really don't. I don't think it's ever a good idea to make predictions. I I wrote up a, an alternate in, intro to the the podcast where I was basically saying that mm-hmm. it's just going to be an anticlimactic landslide. Um, it's a really mm-hmm. hard thing to read. Uh, I guess. As the, what was that noise? Oh, just door. Okay. I guess with I guess with everything in the Trump era, I've become. It, every day seems like a, like a disaster. Every every day seems like right. like a constitutional crisis, and I'm kind of burnt out on it to be honest. And mm-hmm. and it sort of makes me, um, it, it makes me just wonder if it, if it if if this is just going to be the same thing that that tomorrow, you know, reality will be real again, and that uh, at least for a while we can go back to brunch. Not that we should, but you know, um, things will things will calm down in the media. Um, yeah,
1: I think that things will calm down into the media eventually, but I think it's going to be a pretty hectic week. Um, you know, with the amount of riots and militia uprising we've seen this past year, I I, I would be really surprised if um, these. Uh, armed militias didn't come out if people aren't rioting tomorrow after the election or Wednesday, I would be really, really surprised. And, and, and the, the, the couple months in between the election and the inauguration, I think, um, it could still be a hectic time, but, and then people will try and get back to brunch. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Nothing. Yeah. I, I wouldn't expect anything normal though.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I, I don't know. Uh, I do know that there are a lot of very passionate supporters of the president, uh, who I guess mm. think that, you know, uh, this next time it's going to be, you know, he's finally going to deliver. But I do wonder mm-hmm. if a lot of these people, <laughs> if we don't give them a reason to react, you know, I feel like a lot of them are just play acting, you know, they're just, they're just playing dress up. Um, mm. But I do think if the right conditions are presented that they could be they they could re- react in an unsavory way. So I guess there's probably a mm-hmm. variety of situations. I guess if it's really close, that could amp up the tensions, you know, because you'd have um, the left or the, or you know, or the centrists from the Democrats, um, very nervous, probably out in the street. And then you'd have the supporters of the president who are also hyper-polarized out in the street. And if they mm-hmm. started, you know, if they started clashing, or or if one person started something, that that could be the ammunition. But I think if it is like this blowout situation, I don't know. It maybe not. You know, it might it might it might not be as volatile. There'll certainly be a lot of trucks out though with the with the flags. We've seen them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, a lot
1: of a lot of trucks, uh, a lot of flags. Well, whatever happens, I. You know, I'm hoping for the best. Uh, you know, I really think y you know people um, have are more engaged now than ever, ever before, especially young people. So I hope that engagement sticks up um, past this election, and you know, I, hopefully, we get a government one day that that works for for what the people want. Um, yeah. But so, what do you? Do? Yeah, I'm like, uh, what's that, run? Oh, I
0: was just gonna say. So, what do you what What are you planning? I, I think people. Um, our limited audience uh, is just looking for direction and as an immigrant there's only so much i can do i mean i i mostly just sort of you know talk with people and try to do things you know in my community that, that you know you know small things um but but what can people do if they're concerned and they want to make a change
1: mm-hmm. i would be on the Well, uh, first I guess we have to get through these elections and uh, I'd be on the lookout for these uh, Protect the Results um, actions that are popping up. Um, I know there's one going on in Missoula. Um, I'll check to see if there's one in the Bitterroot too. But um, basically just uh, be on the lookout for for, uh, seeing what you can do to help make sure that um, there's a peaceful transition of power. Uh, And, you know, in the future I would probably just get involved with – you know, mutual aid in the community, or or working on some of these campaigns uh, next time around to support some some candidates that uh, meet up with our values. Hmm. But um, right now, it's I, I think I think it's important to really speak out, especially if um, if the election just is trying to be stolen by by a. Uh, by uh whoever but um yeah i think just anything but complacency right now i think right. we all have to be, be ready for the worst
0: yeah that's true so uh what are you currently doing uh i mean i know you're you're managing a political campaign
1: yeah i'm helping out with uh, jacob for mayor uh, of missoula um, that election is going to be next year. And then right now I've been uh, knocking doors for uh, Mike Cooney, who's running for governor here, um, hoping that he will uh, beat uh Greg Jean Forte, um, mm. who is just, uh, um, he's basically been trying to buy, buy this uh, governor seat. He spent about over $8 million of his own campaign, of his own money on this campaign. Um, just completely outspending Mike Cooney um, and just pushing uh uh, Trump style, uh, agenda. So, you know, I'm really hoping Mike Cooney wins. Um, you know, I've been keeping a close eye on the public service commission races. Uh, we've got three up for uh, election this time and it looks like Monica Trinnell in uh, district four here in Missoula and Tom Woods in district three in the Bozeman area both have a really good chance of winning mm. and hope, hopefully. Yeah. It looks like they've got a quite a good chance. Um, you know, it's, it's going to be tough, uh, Monica's going against a state senator who's uh been uh pushing some of the um and like Antifa scare n- narratives around Montana and ha- has a close ties to some of the militias in Montana. Um and it's just um so basically I'm just hoping that that Tom Woods and Monica will win the P- their PSC seats so yeah. we don't have to get trapped into you know, more shenanigans of Northwestern energy as we broke down before. But uh, it's a it's a really important election, so yeah. you know I, I i i really just hope um, that everybody gets through this without going too crazy, and that we actually get a fair transition of power and and um, you know uphold whatever democracy we still have here.
0: Yeah, well, I think that's a that's a, a well said, and yeah, I'd be especially with Tom Woods, really excited to see him uh you know get into office and, and and see what he can do he was he was a really great interview actually and uh, he had a lot of mm-hmm. very very progressive policies that i think would really do a lot to to helping montana um move uh, move forward uh, with its energy policy and even even mm-hmm. its telecommunications policy as
1: well right yeah Tom under- it seemed like on the podcast he understood uh what Northwestern Energy's intentions are, what needs to be done to stop climate change, and he he seems willing to take on take on the, these big uh, these big energy companies. So you know, uh, yeah, all power to him. I hope he gets in the, into that regulatory position, hold Northwestern Energy accountable. But um, yeah, no matter what happens tomorrow, I think it's the uh, the world's going to flip up flip upside down to some extent. I think this is going to send shockwave. I think this will send shockwaves around the world at least. Um, everybody will be. Washington and um, yeah, I just really hope we have a a, a fair election. You know, which is it sucks that you can't or it's, it's not. It's uh, really unfortunate that um, that we can't just assume that we're gonna have a fair election. But mm-hmm. uh, the yeah, the president has made it very clear that he doesn't plan on conceding if he loses and challenge and he wants to challenge us every step of the way. Yeah. So I'm ex- I'm excited to see how this plays out.
0: Yeah, yeah, it should be interesting. Although he did say he was going to lock up Hillary and build the wall, and he never did that. So I uh,
2: right, <laughs> I, I honestly,
0: I don't know. He's like a boy who cried wolf. Um, but you're right. It you know, if somebody says something, you best take it seriously. Um,
1: yeah, especially somebody with that much with that much power that's willing to abuse that power. Exactly. Yeah.
0: But I think you know a lot of what we're talking about in the podcast is. Um, Trying to find a way forward that is less polarized and, and not polarized in the in hmm. the, not not uh you know bipartisan in the way that they do it in uh you know in the federal government where they, you know, uh they compromise on, I don't know, uh, sending you know people into uh you know the Middle East or something like that. Uh or um mm-hmm. increasing um you know, powers of the NSA. Uh more like you know realizing we're all kind of pulling to we all should be pulling together and we should finding be finding the things that that unite us and and moving forward that way
1: right, yeah I think you know most most uh most people would agree on on a lot of issues in this country, and you know just putting that label of political party in front of in front of people has caused such division, so I think hopefully the everybody can unite and you know get get a government that works better for for us
0: well said well i guess that'll do it and i will start the uh the interview thanks for coming on
1: all righty yeah yeah i'm looking forward to hearing this all
0: yeah maybe maybe if tom wins we can we can interview him that would be kind of cool
1: oh yeah that would be that would be really interesting to interview him after he's in the weeds of it northwestern
0: well, I guess if Tom wins, does that mean that our podcast uh, was uh, was do you think it would have been because of the podcast? Are we,
1: like, we are I think it would really help you, helped. but yeah. you know. <laughs> I'll let him know, especially if it's a tight margin. I'll yeah. let him know that the podcast helps. <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah, so he owes it to us. Okay. Well uh, uh, thanks a lot, Dan.
1: Yeah, yeah, thanks, Ryan. <laughs>
0: Hi, and welcome to a special Election Day episode of the Montana PowerPod. On today's episode, we have convened a panel of experts to discuss the hyperpolarity of the current moment, possible solutions, and the importance of internationalism. I wanted to start the episode with a quote from Noam Chomsky. There is a kind of official view about democracy. It says that you, the public, are spectators, not participants. You have a function. The function is to show up every couple of years, push a lever, go home. Don't bother the important people who run the world. You've done your job. We can't accept that. Excising Trump from the top of the executive branch is essential. Take the trouble to remove him from the political world. Then go on with the real work of politics. Creating, understanding, consciousness, organizing, activism, and engagement. Everything from your local school board, your local community, onto the international world, all the time. That includes pressing whoever's in office to keep their word and go beyond. Our guests today are Amitabha Roy and Sean Kissinger. Amit, originally from Bangladesh, recently became a U.S. citizen and will be voting in his first election. He has a Ph.D. in elemental particle physics and currently works as a computational structural biologist. Sean, in addition to being my brother and a cool guy, sorry, Uh, is an electrician and filmmaker living and working in Victoria, Canada. We have chosen these two specifically because of their divergent perspectives on the current moment. First of all, thank you both for coming on the show. Um, Ahmed, I wanted to start by asking you this question. And this is going to probably be a bit of an odd one and maybe a bit of a leap. But as a structural biologist with a non-deterministic view of biological processes... What would you view as the most rational way of framing the current moment? Uh, are you following the election and the polls?
2: Uh, okay, so let uh, uh, me divide these questions in two separate parts, <laughs> okay so uh, I think that the first part of the question I'll take it as is like uh, how can we translate a non deterministic view, and I'll explain what exactly it means to the Constitution? second part is like. Uh, the predictions that uh, we are listening or hearing with the pundits, how how should we take them? Okay, mm-hmm. so, uh, so uh, let me explain, uh, if I understand correctly, what you said by non-deterministic yeah view Um, yeah so i'm in the field of structural biology which focuses on determining structures of biomolecules and uh, learning their function from it Um, however biomolecules are not static structures uh, as they may appear in some experimental conditions but uh, very mobile and flexible so i As my work, I use and develop methods to study the dynamic nature of biomolecules. So instead of non-deterministic view of biological process, I use the term, let's say, plurality or non-binary view. Now, coming to the political situation here, uh, my uh, observation is like the agenda of the collection is very binary Mm. in the sense like it seems like the election is a referendum on Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Now, such a referendum is probably necessary under the current divisive nature of the society. Uh, and I do not want a divisive political missionary to rule the USA or any country. Right. However, the binary choices distract voters' attention away uh, from whom they should or should not vote as their representative. Mm-hmm. So I've been living in the USA for 23 years. Uh, one common theme of many of the people I have met is an underlying sadness or hopelessness about a, the about a security of a decent life mm-hmm. uh, in the USA. And this is not uncommon among the citizens uh, of the USA. I mean, I've seen that in the citizens in, in uh, of Bangladesh or India, uh, the similar frustration. But two things that makes it separate, the situation in the USA separate from let's say, what I saw in Bangladesh and India, is like USA is the wealthiest nation in the world, mm-hmm. and yet the citizens are facing the same kind of insecurity that I saw in Bangladesh and societal fabric in the USA is very lonely. It is lonelier than the societies in India and Bangladesh. So one has less societal tools to tackle their insecurities. Mm. Now, even though the frustration is a common theme, the solution of the frustration varies from person to person. Ultimately, every person should be given the tools and opportunity to reach their potential. However, these tools and options will differ from person to person. Mm. And that's where the plurality comes in. So even though the frustration is there, we may think like our choice is binary. Right. Okay, I lost you briefly for
0: a second there, Amit. Okay. Uh,
2: So even though... Uh, the frustration is among most of the people, and it seems like the choice of the uh, uh, for this election is very binary. But in my opinion, the the solution to the frustration is actually very plural. Mm. And because the solution to the plural that depends on each individual person, our political structure should reflect those pluralities. But instead of the political structures in the U.S. reflecting the pluralities of the citizen, they are reinforcing a binary political system. A binary means like you are only given chance. Either you believe in this or not this. That's it. Like Mm -hmm. there is no middle ground or something. And then the social media, the opinionated news network, they're all reinforcing this binary nature. Now, one can argue, let's say, the politics, uh, the local politics is a reflection of the, you know, is the opportunities to express priorities in the society. However, the reality is actually very opposite. Hmm. And uh, as as you say, like, this is my first election as the U.S. citizen. I have not received a single mail about my choices for my district or county representatives. I have received a bunch of mail about the uh, house candidate or Senate candidate or the governor candidates Mm -hmm. and have been overdosed with advertisement for the presidential candidates. Now it is, you know, I tried, but it was not trivial for me to figure out what my county or district representative stands for, uh, whom I have a decent chance of bumping onto. But it is straightforward for me to find out all the unwanted details about presidential candidates, the uh, vice presidents and senators and other le- legislators, whom I probably are not going to meet ever in my life. I, I In this election, it was overwhelming that the Campaign for the presidential election is already hit eleven billion dollars, and uh, you know if you divide it, that's roughly thirty dollars per every American citizen. Now, if you translate that to our Ravalley County, that means like the candidates here, they should have a hundred thousand dollar budget for their uh, uh, campaign. Yep. I doubt you know if they have one tenth of that or even like less. So even though in the structure there is a way to express the plurality the choice like okay every locality uh, can choose what benefits them however the mechanism is uh, driving towards a binary system and you know whenever you have a centralized power that's the death of plurality and unfortunately that's what i am observing in the us and right now we are being Forced to choose a binary system, even though the solution lies in accepting and honoring this country's pluralities. So, so that is the first part of the answer. Like, mm-hmm. you know, like if you say my non-deterministic or pluralistic view of biological process, how do I? Yeah, see the I know that was a bit system. of a
0: stretch. I just, I, I guess, for me, I, I thought that. Um... I mean, I I, th- I think that uh, it, for whatever reason, in, in the political sciences, uh, you know, we we take a completely different tact for evaluating it than we would with, um, you know, let's say uh, like a scientific process. And I do understand that there are other factors in place in, in play, and that there are uh, are a lot of complexities that are hard to model. But I do think that um, it it is useful sometimes to step back and see what are the greater. Uh, trends and patterns, and I think that's kind of what you're what you're saying with your answer. Um, so, Sean, I want to get your perspective. You're you're out of academia, and uh, you have been working uh, in the middle of this pandemic uh, as an electrician um, and uh, and a minor filmmaker. Um.
3: <laughs> uh, yes, I have. My perspective on what the American. Political scape.
0: Yeah, and and whether you think I'm like uh I am sort of I am downplaying the sort of the I am downplaying sort of the results of the election and whether I should be in sort of this fur fur about it, um you know whether I should be sort of like you know, getting caught up in all of this because um, in my estimation it's <laughs> it continues like Amit said this this polarity that we we currently have. Yeah.
3: I, I to be completely honest I haven't really been paying too much attention I find Perfect that's uh, that's the
0: exactly yeah, right answer I think
3: even the uh, <laughs> the news is a bit depressing like you can't really turn anything on without hearing about more cases and you know people rioting in, in the United States and stuff like that I find it very depressing but maybe that's the wrong approach to put my head in the sand um I think historically for people of of maybe my status or whatever it may be. Uh, Like in your intro, you say like you, you pull the lever, do your part and then go back to work. Uh, I think it very much feels like that. And in Canada, having a multi-party system, I guess the, the opportunity for smaller parties to, um, actually hold power is, uh, maybe an example of plurality like i know in bc here we had a uh uh what do you call it when it's not a majority like a minority government mm. with the ndp and the uh the pivot was actually the green party that would give the ndp um closer to a majority so I, I, the opportunity here for uh the smaller guy having power i think is greater than in the united states i always I, I think it's a bit of a joke to have two options and tell people they have choices. It's like a yes or no. I think it is very binary. Yeah. And I, th- I think I would be disenfranchised down there and then almost <sighs> maybe more inspired actually to engage in uh, the political process and try to change it because mm-hmm. up here I think we have this... Uh, belief that we have a democratic system, that it's, it's great. Uh, there are some flaws and everything, but down there, I think I would feel pretty hopeless. And I, I think from my, my perspective, uh, someone like Donald Trump is, is very, um, disinterested in actually, uh, providing the world with a better and, you know, better for people, I guess. But that's uh, probably an oversimplification. I'm sure there's a lot of people that tell him what to say and influence him that way, but he seems like a a crazy man. So (laughs) (laughs) my hope would be that he he doesn't get in. But that being said, uh, I don't know much about Joe Biden either. So maybe he's just as crazy.
0: Uh, He's not. Uh, He's a very standard politician, um, which in the current climate, uh, well, literally uh, the actual climate and the political climate, um might not necessarily be enough uh this podcast we started it as uh as as a a podcast looking to find solutions to some of the intractable issues facing not just montana but the you know the rest of the world and the biggest one for me is sort of energy and and where we're going to get it from in the future Mm -hmm. and uh i think we we do need politicians that are seriously thinking about this? You know, they claim. You know, they claim that they believe the scientists, but then they say things like, "Oh well, we support. We're, we're not going to stop fracking." You know, um, yeah. and if you say that, well, then, you know, explain why. You know, I, I did, we, taught, we have also interviewed the mayor of of Coal Strip, Montana. Um, we we did, we've uh, interviewed people from you know across the spectrum, mostly because we're we're curious. We're not we're not looking to like uh, caricaturize any particular group. And, and mm-hmm. maybe understand, you know, how we move forward um, effectively from that, uh, f- taking into account all those different perspectives. Um, so that, that was a great answer. So uh, Amit, uh, I'm going to go to you next what was your you you actually campaigned for the Bernie Sanders uh, in a, for Bernie Sanders what, what was what was uh, what were some of the experiences that you learned in that campaign and uh, and and how do you see the uh, the the, the how, how do we move forward from that that was a moment of hope for, for all for a lot of people who feel like they hadn't been represented uh, and now we're sort of back to square one but I think for me, one of the reasons I wanted to start this discussion is because I, I don't want us to stop, uh, you know. And yeah, you're somebody who is obviously very involved, and I think has a has a great perspective on all this stuff. And uh, so I, I'm curious to yeah to hear your perspective on, on his campaign and and maybe how you think we can move forward from there.
2: Yeah. So this was my first experience. Uh, in a political campaign in the USA. And uh, before going to that, actually, what you said, the, the quote from the Noam Chomsky that you said in the beginning of your podcast, there lies your answer, and I'm going to elaborate that. So about the campaign, Bernie Sanders campaign, I was relieved to be among people who were actively engaged in political discussions in a civilized manner. My experience uh, in the USA has been that people usually avoid political debate or get highly emotional for it to be a civilized discourse. Uh, Many of the people I met during the campaign, um, uh, Bernie Sanders campaigns, were worried about the same uh, security of a decent life and were attracted to the campaign as Bernie Sanders addressed those issues directly. There were some who uh, whose attachment to the campaign was more emotional rather than objectives though. Uh, I respected Bernie Sanders' campaign because they reached to the grassroots level and drove the whole movement or campaign through grassroots donation. Now, these kind of gatherings, should happen more, They should happen often. The reason is like we need to have a civil discourse, political debate, irrespective of your political bias. We need to have that regularly. Without that, democracy is not effective. So I, I think, as I said, you said that in the beginning, uh, the way to move forward is To have such more civic discussions, civic engagements, and have them regularly.
0: Yeah, I I I completely agree, and and that was my feeling on it too. And I am saying this as somebody who can't even uh, vote. Um, It just it, it, you know, even um, uh, you know, gathering for like the local Black Lives Matter protest. It was it was this moment where we were kind of all out there in the street collectively, and, and we were interacting with people. And so, uh, you know, regardless of whether you agree with it or not, it, it, the social aspect is very important. And I think that the current moment is one of increasing stratification, you know, along you know individual lines and the, the, you know, the pandemic is not helping that at all. I mean, we're all working from our individual, you know, bunkers, occasionally emerging to order pizza or, or you know, go to the grocery store. Uh, so, and so, uh, yeah, I, that was the most inspiring thing for me. And I also think that when people talk to each other outside of sort of, you know, social media and things like that, it allows them to, you know, see that this person is not a caricature, you know, and it allow and, and it, it's much harder for somebody to, um, yeah I, yeah I think a, a lot of the the, the current problems are, are fostered by our our sort of uh, collective like you said earlier by the binary society of uh, nature of the society that's being uh, further uh, accelerated and having that moment where we could all kind of talk and and not feel judged was was very powerful so Sean I'm gonna ask you. What, were your, what was your perspective as somebody coming from uh, the socialist uh, red uh, state of Canada uh, on the Bernie Sanders campaign? Uh, what were they saying in, in Canada? How How is that? How, I mean, your, your limited experience with, with that. Again, it's not um, your country, but it was inspiring to, to me as a, as a Canadian living in the States.
3: Yeah, I, I think as far as interests go, Um, he was probably the most compelling, uh, as far as introducing ideas that are more similar and aligned with what we have up here. Um, I, I kind of felt it a bit funny that he was seen as, uh, like an extreme. (laughs) (laughs) And that the idea of considering him to be a presidential candidate was, uh, Far fetched, and that you know, it was amazing that he even became as close as he did to uh, competing for that position with Biden. Um, but I thought it would have been really interesting to see what happens to the United States. It might have been actually dangerous and awfully divisive if he was yeah. elected. Um, but here we are, anyways, it might be just as dangerous to continue with Trump. So, why not try something different? <laughs>
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, we I think we all sort of went when Obama was elected, we sort of all collectively went to brunch and said, uh, "Okay, this guy's got it together. But I think anybody who is um, uh, intellectually curious, maybe uh, would look at the results of that eight years and think, "Huh, maybe 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 we should try something different because it it didn't seem to uh, have the um, desired effect. And I I know that might be hard for some people to hear. Um, mm-hmm. Certainly, harder it was hard for me to to realize. But I wouldn't be uh, uh, observing reality in, in a. I, I feel like I wouldn't be observing reality a- accurately if I didn't at least
3: consider that. Um, yes. So, so, so consider having like a different. Consider option other than like the status quo.
0: Yeah, we need to try something different. And 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 like you said, it's not radical. It's based a lot of a lot of ways. It's actually going back to the the baseline principles of the of the United States.
3: Um, I think it goes against the uh, the idea like the American dream of having uh, the opportunity to attain greatness on your own at your own means and uh, claw or scratch away to the top. Mm-hmm. and on the backs of other people, uh, at their maybe disposal. Uh, whereas I think <laughs> the more socialist thing is kind of hard to understand because it's actually sharing resources and, and trying to bring everyone up and closer to, uh, in my opinion, harmony, uh, <laughs> if everyone has access to yeah education or whatever it may be, healthcare. Uh, I don't think that's crazy, but mm. I think it goes against this, uh, me first mentality that I think may be uh, part of the American mindset, but that might be an oversimplification.
0: No, I think that's a true, I think that's fairly accurate, to be honest. Um, and I think also people confuse, uh, they confuse what freedom actually is and how you get there. So I think, I think for a lot of people, they think that freedom is, is not having any accountability to other people. But,
3: or, or, or they've also been told that the the version of life they have right now is is freedom. So when you start to chip away at that quote unquote freedom they have, then it's like you're you're now taking something from me, and that something you're taking is my freedom.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and I, I do think uh, the cognitive dissonance of that is probably hard for people to uh, digest all at once. And I think that was actually the power of the Bernie Sanders movement was that. I mean, he didn't come across as a crazy radical. He came across as a nice old man who wanted mm-hmm. to help people, and uh, and he still does.
3: So. I think he had a very uh, uh, measured approach. Like he was actually quite capable of, of showing kind of the examples of of what his platform and uh, would benefit people and how. Instead of just screaming about the other side being bad and it's wrong, he was just trying to show. His ideas, um, without necessarily, yeah, hard to describe, but it, it just felt like he was very logical and, and clearly understood, and uh, that's what I appreciated about him. It wasn't uh, hard to see what he was trying to, yeah, to accomplish.
0: And I do think, yeah, a lot of people sort of, you know, make uh, intellectual leaps and, and don't realize that, you know, maybe we don't we don't need to. Maybe our our our, the, our salvation is in simpler solutions.
3: I guess that's the uh, the Occam's razor.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so I'm gonna make a make a, a turn in the conversation, Amit. So we've been living in this moment of a pandemic uh, in the united states and globally and a, a lot of what we're told here in the united states is that this is the best system and we're handling it better than anybody else and and you know how could there be anything else right and i, I guess if you're a fish and you live in water you don't notice that it's wet um and so you've or i i don't know you you, you take it for granted that uh there might be something else out there um so I guess I want to start with asking you if you've been following this, at least. Uh, have, you, have you been following the pandemic response in, in Bangladesh? Can, can you contrast that with the U.S. response? I mean, the U.S. Mm. is the richest country in the world, yet we have, the I think, the highest percentage of uh, active cases, and uh, we're currently rising.
2: I mean, yes, uh, I have been following the... <laughs> pandemic in Bangladesh, but as much as you can follow from far away, I mean, it's hard to know all the details when you're living so far away. And then uh, COVID-19 has infected some of my close relatives and friends. Uh, I have lost a close family friend uh, from the infection. The the threat of the infection is still there in Bangladesh. and. But people in general has obeyed the direction that was given by the government. Now, the Bangladesh is way more densely populated than USA. I mean, that's way, way more. I think like probably hundred times more. Uh, So it is, uh, you know, it was very necessary that everybody wear masks and uh, maintain as much social distance as possible. People were open to it. You know, They did not revolt since like, oh, we are not going to wear because it's taking our freedom or whatever the reason is, okay. But the pandemic has been going for a long time, though. It's been like uh, almost six, seven months where active uh, uh, you know, social distancing or masking has been recommended. And there has been a me- I see a mental fatigue right now. Now, Bangladesh is not as a uh, wealthy country in USA, so the testing is not as abandoned as in the USA. And... Uh, uh, from a scientific point of view, though, there's a, uh, I, I read a survey that 45% of Dhaka, the city that where I am from, which is a 20 million population, has been exposed to uh, COVID-19. 74% of the dwell, slum dwellers in that city has been exposed. But surprisingly, the death rate is very low in Bangladesh. And I personally do not know what is the reason mm-hmm. that, is a blessing for the country because uh, uh, you know it's a low resource country. The fact that for some reason the death rate is low, so that's a blessing. Hmm.
0: Do you think it's a, a climate issue, or uh, you know something mm-hmm. to do with the if they're all wearing masks, is lower viral dose? Uh, I don't know. Uh,
2: uh i well again i do not know and i i, sh- I don't want to comment without any totally real climate. proof yeah. I, I wouldn't i wouldn't think that it's a climate issue because next door india is having a larger problem than the bangladesh at least at this moment mm. uh, uh, so uh, uh, i personally do not know uh, w- whether the uh, following the uh, guidelines is helping i would say maybe yes uh, the guideline is definitely helping, uh, but uh, if that is the only reason for the s- low death rate, that I do not know.
0: Mm. Yeah, well, even India, though I mean they they have had a, a spike in cases, but relative to the United States, still a lower death rate. Uh, as a but, it could be that so, it's just
2: such a big spike; it hasn't caught up. I'm not sure. Well, I mean there is a other portion of it. Most of the Indian and Bangladeshi populations are very young. Mm, okay uh so when you look at the overall average because the younger age group dominates the uh, population they will the average will be lower mm. uh where the u s population has a you know larger portion of uh senior citizens uh and you know these will be all interesting studies that uh, i'm looking forward to
0: yeah no kidding so Sean, i'm gonna go to you next mm-hmm so, uh as a Canadian, uh, how, I I haven't been living there. I've, I've been I've been sort of cut off from everything that's going on. Uh I just assume that everything must be crazy everywhere, but but how how has the or sorry, not crazy. Everything's fine here. Um how has the uh how, how has the Canadian re- government responded to the pandemic? How how's it going?
3: Um <clears throat> I I I would say really well, but Recently, I guess, with people going back to school and, and uh, the emphasis on the economy opening up again, um, cases are coming back. Uh, where I live on Vancouver Island, we're surrounded by a giant moat. Uh, so we're kind of very much uh, experiencing low rates, whereas I know in Vancouver, uh, it's, it's growing quite a bit. Uh, the nice part is, I guess, our policies aren't, super um hard to understand. You know, wear a mask, uh maintain the social distance, sanitizing everywhere. We've got the shields up at the grocery store, and I'm assuming it's the same down there with you guys. Um man. but they have some places have started to make masks mandatory.
0: But they have made it mandatory. Man- oh to work. I'm surprised they haven't done that already.
3: Uh, yeah, and that's what I think there's a little bit of uh confusion I uh, it would be nice for, I think, businesses to have a clear direction from whether it's the provincial or the the, the federal government on like what exactly uh, is being expected of people because you you can go into some places and and there's no masks and you go into other places and everyone has to wear a mask and the nice part I noticed though is there's there's uh, the general population here is just kind of taken to wearing masks and it's it's kind of like a you're the odd man out now if you're not wearing a mask in public. So mm. um, I'm kind of encouraged by that to see that everyone's taking it seriously. Uh, there's a weird, I mean, like the the younger populations are are kind of being targeted for being irresponsible, and uh, <sighs> some of the outbreaks are related to stupid parties and things like that. But uh, I don't know. I thought the the response is really well uh, well done. We had the Serb, so people that were affected. By COVID, as a result in their job being lost or being laid off, uh, were entitled to a two thousand dollars a month uh, stipend. I think they just ended that um, in September. So I'd be curious to see when when numbers start going back up. What they're they're going to come back with if we're going to have another program? Um, they were offering, you know, small businesses. Uh, low-interest loans to uh, help them pay their staff. Um, I know some some of the bigger companies, like The the Keg, which is a restaurant up here, actually uh, immediately shut its doors, sent its staff home with the the food that was going to go bad um, to feed themselves, and they agreed to pay their salaries uh, for three months um, so the government would pay the benefit to the company. And the company would then uh, pay the employees, which I think was smart because it lessens the burden on the government to have to uh, provide so they can you know give an allowance to one source and and have that source kind of take care of what you'd call like unemployment um, I don't know there's been a lot I, I think it's it's uh, you're always going to have in politics like the the opposition commenting on they're not doing enough and or they're doing too much, you know, we're not making money. So what's going on? But right, right. I, I feel confident that we, we have good leadership. And uh, I just, I think the one thing I would complain about is they're, they're, they're not quite as uh, specific on, on individuals and how they should behave. But I think people are taking it upon themselves to, to do that.
0: Mm. Yeah. It sounds like a lot more buy-in. Also this whole thing is I think I've been here in the United States too long. This whole thing's blowing my mind when I'm hearing about it.
3: <laughs> we got, like, yeah,
0: got $1,200, which was great. what's
3: um, right? <laughs> uh,
0: but uh, I haven't heard. I mean, there was a $600 uh, unemployment uh, boost, uh, I think, that Bernie Sanders pushed through. But, um, yeah, this sounds very humane
3: and uh, so, it's amazing. So, that sorry, a, was, it was... I remember when it first happened, I thought they must be doing something more. So was it actually just the one $1,200 uh, chunk of money for uh, yeah. everybody? So
0: it, it's more than that. So there was a $1,200 yes, $1, chunk for everybody.
3: Um, mm-hmm.
0: Luckily, I haven't been affected by it. So I, I, I'm a little bit out of the loop on everything. But uh, they're, they, uh, they actually boosted unemployment uh, adi- by an additional $600 for the first few months. That ran out, I think, a month ago or so, um, and so I think they what they did was they put in a three hundred dollar. They reduced it to three hundred dollars. I can't remember. Anyways, but, uh, but honestly, a lot of the money uh, went to large uh, multinational corporations, and it's basically going towards you know uh, increasing corporate monopoly. I would say, unfortunately, I guess I'll. I'll, I'll I'll swing back to the election. We'll, we'll end. We'll end it on on that because that is sort of what I what I started with, and I think it's it's good that we really haven't discussed it because it, in my I, to to me I think it's important, but I don't think it it is the thing we should just only be focusing all of our energy on, um, if that makes sense. So, Amit, for you, was the election result in twenty sixteen a surprise, um, and did it? make you real reevaluate any assumptions you had about us society and politics. I know for me, it, it did. Um, it was sort of like after nine 11 where I had been aware of sort of activists sort of crowing about certain issues. And, but then, you know, in that one move moment, you're like, Oh wow. Okay. So maybe all this stuff people were talking about has consequences. And 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 uh, yeah, it was a revelatory moment. I I felt bad that I'd been sort of lulled into complacency. If that makes any sense.
2: Yeah, uh, the twenty sixteen result, well, the election actually, the twenty sixteen was was surprising to me, but not because of the outcome. I mean, because the result is what it is. It is a reflection of the society. What was surprising to me is like how out of touch the politicians were with the population. In the sense like leading up to that election, uh, 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 almost no one could believe other than probably Trump's campaign that he may win. Uh, Even though Hillary Clinton did get the majority of the vote, but I feel like uh, Donald Trump understood the frustration among the proportion uh, of the population in the USA. And he was shrewd enough to direct that frustration to his game. Now, it's not that I don't think he is or was the answer or solution for this frustration. But you know he understood it and exploited it. Um, so that, that was the surprising, like how detached the politicians were uh, from the population. Now, did it did it made me reevaluate my assumptions? And um, some of it actually did. Uh, so. As I said before, and you said that, that we need uh, civic discussions for a strong democracy. And then lack of that kind of activity, civic discussions. uh, I mean, I was surprised when I came to the USA looking at the lack of such civic engagement or discussion. And then what 2016 election showed me that in the absence of a strong civic engagement and civic debates and civic discussions, it's very easy to manipulate the masses. And you know, what happened in 2016 is actually not unique to the USA, where you can you can direct the frustration of the people in certain two-year benefit. It can happen to any country or society. But what it made me realize, like all these incremental advancement on the society, particularly for equal rights for humans that we advance on. And these are still very nascent idea among the mass population. Mm -hmm. And if we do not nurture these ideas vigorously, then somebody can easily come and incite racism, sectarianism, and they can take over very rapidly, so that was really surprising, and I had to de- evaluate that portion. Hmm.
0: Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense to me too. And uh, I, I think what it made me real about reevaluate was was that you know that our elites were out of touch, and and me sort of filtering everything through uh, uh, you know more of a I hate to do the whole uh, fake fake news thing, but like a, a mainstream media sort of outlook. I mean, that's that's all I was getting was sort of that perspective. But uh, I mean, I guess uh, the first thing is the U. I think people maybe discount that Donald Trump's election was also very lucky too. You know, it was a confluence of of factors that might not ever happen again. That's why I think part of the reason why for I, I think that we shouldn't be freaking out as much about this election as as we are. But I also think though that that we should use that as a lesson to you know pay attention to why his particular brand of uh snake oil has been so um widely um consumed uh and i you know i think that the biggest thing is like you said is, is civic engagement and 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 you know maybe paying people twelve hundred dollars a month that but uh sean i guess i want to maybe go over to you and what did what were your thoughts on the 2016 election i know my favorite part was watching the uh what was what was that video we watched with the of the election coverage where everybody was a farm animal or something <laughs> Was it super
3: it was, it was super um i forget what the channel's called
0: yeah he was on i think he got taken down <laughs>
3: so yeah. uh they they did the inauguration um, with pigs and farm animals and uh, dress them up, and it <laughs> over- was pretty surreal to watch. It, that was the extent of my. We watched my- it with
0: <laughs> who, uh, or, or sorry, not uh, never mind. uh, We watched it with a friend who was a Trump supporter, and I think he was uh, <laughs> uncomfortable. <laughs>
1: uh,
3: I mean, I was pretty shocked, but um, maybe not surprised. Uh, mm. I, I think uh, it, my thoughts were that maybe it was kind of a yeah. Let's let's try this, you know. Let's let's do it. Like let's let's bet on last year's worst team to win the the championship. You know, like maybe <laughs> maybe it'll work out. You know, maybe I'll make a bunch of money on it. And uh, I I think people are kind of regretting that. So hopefully, the people that kind of threw their vote away, thinking that you know we'll see, let's let's throw it in there, uh, are a little more. Mm-hmm cognizant of, of the value of their vote this time round, but maybe Kanye will get in right
0: Maybe. I, I, I think we've <laughs> just they've just tried they've just basically redone 2016, but it's it's probably going to work this time because you know uh, I didn't understand it, but apparently Hillary Clinton was was, was not particularly popular. Uh, no and, and uh, uh, due to whatever insane things were being said about her and her husband.
3: Um, so, so, well, my my thought was that sh- they were uh, smuggling pizza through a or smuggling <laughs> children through a, a pizza restaurant. That's that's what the CBC so was this covering is what here. They're
0: talking about in Canadian broadcasting, yeah,
3: <laughs> Hillary Clinton, yeah, she's a child molesting ringleader. Yeah. Um, okay. No, I don't know. I don't really understand. I think there was a very uh, manipulative use of of social media, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. that they could really target people uh, uh demographically um specifically in neighborhoods and and kind of uh go that way it was like if you want to talk grassroots they use technology to uh yeah. door knock pretty much on Facebook and other means and i think that's true hopefully i don't know what this election's been like at, at all like it feels it feels like a lot less coverage or maybe that the the COVID pandemic is is dominating the news a lot more than uh, you know Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton in 2016, but it doesn't seem quite as uh, large as I remember. Like I feel like in 2015 we had our federal election, and while while we had started our uh, you know debate cycle and and all this stuff for the campaigning, the Americans were already starting their what was it called? The primaries where they start picking their leaders. And it it felt like our election cycles was maybe three months in the making. And they had already started for 2016 prior to us starting our federal election. Mm -hmm. So like, for example, like we're, we're campaigning in, in 2015 in the summertime and they're already doing their primaries. So it felt like two years of American politics and it was just, it was almost covered more up here than, than our own federal uh, election. So this time around, it felt like the, uh, the COVID pandemic kind of put that all to the back, back burner a bit, which has actually been quite nice. I was tired of hearing about all that garbage.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think it is. I think that's one thing. Maybe people do not necessarily understand uh, as an American citizen. Like um. How much the world is actually watching, you know
3: mm-hmm.
0: and 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 how much uh, the u s. politics actually does affect um, affect the world. I mean, I thought one of the most powerful things about Bernie Sanders was that he actually had a uh, an international perspective. and he realized that as the president, that was actually one of the most powerful things he could do, which was uh, you know uh, acting um, through uh, through foreign policy and actually one of the scary things is that's one of the things that has the least oversight in the US government is is the foreign policy positions of the president um anyway so i guess uh maybe i push back on the social media thing i i don't i, I don't know i mean i i think that social media is sort of an extension of sort of like um you know targeted mail or targeted phone calls I, mm-hmm. I do think it is a problem to be online. I, I do think a big part of what we need to do is get off of the internet and and realize that these things that are happening online are not really as important as just, you know, what's going on outside.
3: You know? I think it's like um, a passive... Form of accessing information for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, it, like to agree with you, I'd say if if you removed uh, the internet or you know simple kind of bite-sized pieces of information and actually asked people to go out into the world and inform themselves and form their own opinion, I think that that's true. It would be a lot more like uh, Amit says. You know, have more civil uh, discussion about issues instead of, you know, you see something 30 seconds online, you create your opinion and then you share it and you actually don't dig deep into it. You let it hit you on like a very uh, emotional level immediately right. and then you that's your new opinion. And I, I feel like, yeah, the internet offers that for a lot of people that are easily influenced and uh, don't have a lot of introspection on their own part and it just becomes their their new opinion you know
0: yeah and and i think a lot of times people don't have the the time to even consider that i mean i've started you know listening to audiobooks because you know when i finish work you know i don't have time to to do the reading that i need to do but i do think reading Mm -hmm. is important and um yeah and reading a broad range of things to I think history is actually w- one of the most important things you can you can delve into because uh, understanding how we got here is a, is a I think a way of of finding out how we can move forward and and like somebody like noam chomsky who has been here since the 30s I guess um you know he's seen all of this and I I think listening to the our elders uh, about how to move forward is important you know I think we sort of think, okay, we're we're modern now, so we don't have to we don't have to think about the past. But uh, I you know I think the past can offer a lot of lessons. But totally. uh, I do think you know social media does expand uh, the those those binary the binary nature uh, of the current moment. But I think it also and and it and I think it it is engineered to be like that. But I think also, though, that putting too much importance on these things is is another issue too. Uh, I have, uh, I, I don't know. I, I kind of got caught up in a in an online discourse thing yesterday. I wrote this super long winded question, and I don't know. I, mean, I I don't know if it's actually relevant, but um, I've been seeing a lot of things regarding this election that kind of freaked me out. Okay, so. One of them is that because we are so afraid of Donald Trump, uh, we are willing to get on board with whatever it takes to um, push forward that agenda. But, you know, for, ex- uh, for example, um, you know, that it, this year that means we put on hold the environmental movement, uh, the push for uh, universal medical coverage, and various other necessary goals uh, for many, of the electorate, a lot of the 65 plus crowd, it, it's become the consensus view that Joe Biden was the best chance for a victory, despite the fact that he promised no fundamental change and and the colossally ludicrous claim that in a moment of which was a colossal, colossally uh, ludicrous uh, claim in a, in a moment of historic wildfires, extreme weather events, social unrest and and even spiraling inequality. Um, so, you know. Recently, I, I've you know I've seen uh, a, a very concerted effort to kind of gloss over any criticisms of the Biden campaign uh, in an effort to sort of prevent another Trump win. And and while I I might you know laud the the goal of that because it is important to uh to to get him out of office, I do think that it further delegitimizes the media. You know because. Uh, if it's so clearly partisan, then you know it adds to that continuation of the uh, of the binary sort of movement we have in in this in the public sphere, um, and that also includes the distrust of experts as well. I think that's also playing into the, some of the, the the distrust of wearing masks and things like that. Um, there's a huge amount of partisanship in the COVID nineteen pandemic, but. Similarly, you know, in response, people have said that social media companies now have to confront, you know, disinformation and blah, blah, blah. Um, And so they're being forced to censor their content. Uh, But, you know, nobody ever talks about how these companies are also some of the biggest financial contributors to democratic campaigns. Um, And if people are getting all their news from these sources, but they are controlling sort of what people see... Even if it might be well intentioned, uh, I think that can have negative consequences. So I guess my basic point is that the the road to hell is paved with good intentions. So, for instance, the Iraq War, the Patriot Act, the war in Afghanistan—they were all thought to be just because you know we were responding to the they were responding to the terrorist attacks in 9/11. Um, and under you know Barack Obama's leadership, the use of drones was thought to be justified because he was a competent leader. But now that same power is ex, uh, exercised by the Trump administration. So I guess it seems to me every year we a little bit more of our rights are chipped away, and and but we're told it's for a virtuous cause. I don't know if that was long winded or if you understand my basic point, but I think we need to to break that cycle somehow. Um, and again, I guess I'm coming back to like you know not being overly emotionally invested, and part of that is getting off of social media and disinteracting your community. So so what do you think the answer is? Should we all become Buddhists or something? Did that question make any sense?
2: Uh, Amit, do you want to respond? Uh, Well, again, uh, I'm going to say that uh, the answer is uh, to be civically more engaged. I mean, it is is unfair to assume what my neighbor is thinking by looking at some electronic media or social media rather than interacting with the neighbor and find it out. I mean... uh, the more we uh, rely on, uh, let's say, the social media or or even electronic media, like news outlets, uh, more there is a chance of we are not getting a fuller picture, okay? Because these are all opinions, opinionated. And it does not matter whether somebody... Uh, edits it or scrutinize it. I mean, uh, electronic media uh, like the news media, before they become 24-7, it was supposed to be a very good source of news. But once they become a 24-7 and and furthermore, they started pushing their own biased view, now they have become an opinionated uh, outlet. Similarly, social media, initially, it was supposed to be a good connecting forces. But again, it does not take the same tool to be used uh, you know, in a different way, and the only the only way to fight against it is like to have uh, is to have more social engagement within our community. Okay, so uh, it is frustrating. I hear you. It is frustrating at this moment because there are lots of bigger issues, and we are going back to these binary choices, it's like oh, uh, we have to get uh, Donald Trump out doesn't matter who comes in and you know that is the unfortunate truth it's like we actually took a 4 years or even like multiples of 4 years step back that we need to recover from it it's a very sad and unfortunate truth uh, but that's should not be the only goal for the future and definitely we need to the, uh, we need to think beyond uh, removing donald trump from uh, by this election, we need to actually uh, look at the real issues. And the only way you can tackle them is by more civic engagement.
0: Yeah, no, I tend to agree. Um, yeah, I guess it'd be tough for Sean to answer that question. But uh, yeah, I think, uh, look, playing the long game, not getting kind of bogged down sort of these very petty arguments about, you know, uh, whatever's going online or you know in the media yeah i think that that is the key because because ultimately i mean who cares honestly um but uh like i said we ultimately need to aim higher than the myopic focus of regional politics we want to tackle the important issues of our time namely climate change Uh, but at the same time you know actively engage with each other socially it's a weird sort of um there's, I feel like there's a weird, there's a weird sort of uh, du- uh, duality of, of thought there. Um, anyways, I think uh, a global political uh, outlook is the key to solving some of the intractable issues that we have. At the same time, how do we how do we get people to care about what is happening outside of the borders of the respective countries? I'm not sure if I frame that.
2: Yes, I mean le- tackling global issues like climate change is a priority to humanity. Uh, however, it's not an easy task, definitely not in the USA. One of the reason is like, I can tell you, I do not know how is it in Canada, but definitely in Bangladesh and India, a major portion of the news was international news. But if you look at the US news, uh, a very minor portion of the news is actually international news. So, and then whenever some international news actually do come in, they come in from uh, often from the wrong reason. I mean, like if you go around ask like what kind of uh, what kind of government system is in Mexico or uh, uh, let's say other neighbors in the Caribbean islands, uh, I doubt many many people in the US know whether they were to come to the news in the US. So. There is an artificial barrier being created. How much, uh, how much uh, information comes from outside to the U.S. And that makes it even so. That makes it very hard for a a typical U.S. person to be empathetic to the problems that is not on their face. I mean, it is very hard for somebody to be empathetic. the water rise is going to take 15 percent land away from Bangladesh. It is very hard because I mean, like some of the people I met from Bangladesh, their first question is like, "Oh, I heard like there are so many famines and uh, floods. Well, those are 40 years back. The country has moved a uh, long uh, si- since then. And th- that lack of knowledge about the international community makes it harder for the u.s population to be empathetic to the global issues so to overcome that i guess like we need to spread the knowledge we need to create the empathy it is typically it's very hard for to make people empathetic about something that's not on their face so uh, this is the only way forward i think is like just make them more aware and 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 show like you know how a global event can have local eff- effect. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I, I think that's true too. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've re- I, I've I, I mean, I myself have, have tried to uh, educate myself a little bit, and 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 I think what I, I realize is is that the. Uh, You know, even the media in Canada, uh, it has this view of the world as sort of like, um, yeah, it's incredibly reductive, I suppose. Um, And it almost sort of places the lives and stories of people in other countries as somehow lesser than the civilized Western, uh, modernized Western countries. And... Uh, I think that, yeah, that, yeah, that the education is a big component in, in, in breaking down that perception. Uh, you know, this, this idea that there's two kinds of, of, of people, two, two kinds of, of humanity. Uh, I'm not sure if that makes sense. Um, so I guess, uh, that, that kind of sums it up. So are you, uh, Amit, uh, are you thinking of, of, of ways to, to engage with your community? like you've talked a lot about that uh you know post election now that that you have more ability to do so
2: uh i was thinking actively before the pandemic so uh and then hopefully once the pandemic uh dies down or we have a, a you know a treatment or vaccine for the uh, infection we can get back to it uh, uh so my idea was to have a common space where, uh, and invite people and slowly, uh, uh, hopefully it'll get bigger uh, as people get to know more about it, where they can, where we can get together in a regular basis and just discuss the effect of uh, decisions by the local politicians, uh, and then how we can uh, make the local processes more transparent and how we can get more involved uh, uh, and then, you know, of course, other bigger political issues, too, is just uh, so, yes, I do have a I do have a space now where I can invite people to for them to regularly meet, uh, uh, you know, we don't have to find other spaces. So that was my idea. Uh, now, you know, everything is on hold for now. So let's see yeah. uh, what future brings. Oh, that makes sense.
0: Now, I guess full disclosure, uh we all recently worked on a small film for something called the 48-hour film project. And again, for me that is another one of these things where it's people getting together across backgrounds and and you know, coming together for a collective goal. And I don't know how we expand that model, but I think Things like that. I mean, it's a non-political space, but it allows people to kind of, you know, see their collective humanity, I think. We had to pare back our team this year quite a bit. But, um, I mean, I'd like to do more more things like that. You know, maybe a larger small film if we could. I don't know what you what you think of that too, Sean. Um, <laughs> that's
3: just interesting. I like how you, you brought in the... Uh, the- the personal aspect of, of community uh, with that 48 hour film festival. And I agree, it was a lot of fun. Um, to Amitav's uh, point of uh, empathy and when he was talking about the media and understanding other people's worlds and, and how they have their issues and everything like that, I would say uh, me personally, I'm, I'm not necessarily the most well-versed uh, in politics, but my, my view of of community and uh, like you say developing empathy is is participating in things like like the 48 hour film festival or you know joining a like a choir or, for example or a jogging group where you're you're not necessarily there to influence people but you're you're seeing that the world is not necessarily as it's told to you on online or on the news and you're actually seeing that together we're we're actually okay and I think that's that's a that's what I'd like to do, and that's where I'm going to bit insane because we can't do any of that right now. So it was nice to have that project to be able to do that together.
0: Yeah. Well, well, hopefully uh, we're, we're we're doing our premiere tonight, um, and uh, I'm curious to see what other people think of our uh, uh, unique sense of humor um, and uh, whether it whether it translates to a broader audience. I was pretty happy with it.
3: Yeah, it was
0: a.
2: Are you going to release it on YouTube? Um, uh, uh, Because a lot of my friends are asking for it. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, Yeah, well, you stole the show, Amit. Uh, Yeah, the the doctor is great. Yeah, so (laughs) it was fun to work on it. But yes, when you release it on the YouTube, let me know. Yeah, it will be fun to share. If
3: you're
0: if you're interested, there's uh, there's a screening uh, tonight on at out of Seattle. There's an app you can go on, but. I think it's like twenty dollars, so not not expecting everybody to pay money for that, but uh, that's that's an option if you want to see the the other people um, involved and in what they're up to. But uh, yeah, I agree with Sean. I think mm. I think these we need we need to do more of these things that sort of uh, wow. you know show how how we uh, you know how, uh, yeah just show that we you know we're that we're really not as different as we think you know and and all these sort of boundaries we put up to uh, with uh, you know to to each other, be it like education um so, uh, well actually education's a big one, but uh uh you know where you work um yeah, we had to find a way to bridge that class divide i guess and and uh and, and I think part of it is just sort of getting out there and uh and finding out what other people are talking about, mm
3: mm-hmm.
0: yeah. So that that's all that's all I've got for today, guys. I think it was actually a really great discussion. I think this was this was the best episode of the podcast we've done yet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. I hope so. I don't know. I, I always say that about each one. So uh, once I do the editing and get rid of some of the ums and uh, the pauses, I think
3: I think at least you're progressing. It should be the case. Hopefully, you know, you're, you're slowly getting better. Yeah.
0: So uh, Dan couldn't make it. He's actually currently running for city council in Missoula, and he's managing the campaign of uh, a, a, a Liberian uh, refugee named Jacob Elder, and, and he's running for the mayor of, of, of Missoula on sort of a social justice uh, slash uh, uh, helping, I, I guess, more uh, disadvantaged groups in, in Missoula kind of platform. Um,
2: cool. Awesome. Yes. That's Next Helena. Helena had a uh uh, uh immigrant uh, mayor, a first black mayor in the Montana. Well, wow, that's oh. awesome. Well oh.
0: yeah, and I yeah, I think it's the other thing that the, the forty eight hours sort of maybe hoping I hope that it shows people is that like you know, Montana is not just one thing, you know. It's uh there's 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 a lot of different people who live here and uh and so they're probably surprised when they see sort of our our diversity, I guess, of of uh, in represented in the in the films that we've been making. So not saying that that's the primary thing we should be focusing on, but I think it definitely helps to said shed some illusions that people have about, you know, particular areas, you know. So that's that's what, I guess maybe what I'll, what I'll end on. Do you guys have, have anything else you want to say before we go?
2: No, it's probably just fun to be a part of the discussion. Thanks, yeah, Ryan, for yeah. all the effort.
0: Oh, you're welcome, and and thank you, Amit. I I actually loved both answers that you guys had. Uh, Amit, your 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 ability to uh, form a uh, a coherent uh, answer to these complex uh, problems, and and also sort of weave in sort of your uh, your outside perspective, I think is just really valuable. Oh, thanks. Welcome, and thank you, Sean
3: yeah thanks ryan that was great and uh i i really enjoyed this actually i was a little bit nervous because you know it's it's a it's subject matter that i'm not super comfortable with but yeah happy to be a part of it and thank you both of you guys awesome for letting me be here
0: great well uh have a great day guys and i'll see you at the premiere sean all
3: All right see you later